The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the ninth chapter. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick? Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout the district. The Gospel of the Lord. Today I am going to begin with the good news, the very, very good news. I'm not going to make you wait until the end of the sermon. I am just going to say it right now. Jesus accepts you just as you are. Jesus loves you for precisely who you are. And Jesus calls you for who you can become. If you hear nothing else today, I pray you hear this. In the eyes of our Lord, you are worthy, valued, and beloved beyond measure. You are precious to Jesus, not, you are precious to Jesus just as you are, and not for anything you have done, or might do, or should do, or didn't do. In other words, there is no requirement that you tidy up your life or that you get your affairs in order before you get involved with Jesus. There's no expectation that you repent, make amends, forgive and reconcile with others before you begin your walk with the Lord. And there is no prerequisite for some degree of proficiency in Bible study or faithful participation in worship or frequency in serving or generosity in giving before you take up fellowship with the Lord. There's nothing you need to do nor can do in order to get Jesus to believe in you because he already does. Jesus accepts you just as you 
are, and that is pure grace. In the very same way, Jesus loves you for who you are, exactly and precisely for who you are. Jesus loves everything about you that makes you wonderfully and uniquely you. Jesus loves your insight, your perspective, your viewpoint, your way of being in this world, and your particular way of doing things. Jesus loves your idiosyncratic, distinctive, quirky, one-of-a-kind self. Jesus loves you for who you are. And finally, Jesus calls you into relationship with him so that others might be blessed through you and through your acceptance and love of others. Jesus calls you for who you can become. The Gospel reading for today from Matthew chapter 9 contains four stories. Jesus calls Matthew. Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus raises a girl from the dead, and Jesus heals a woman who bled for 12 years. Each one of these stories is worth a sermon on its own, but for today we will focus on the first one, the call of Matthew. Now, of all of the call stories in Scripture, this one is easily the shortest, most bare-bones, and simplest account. It's minimalistic. It's told in a single verse, which reads like this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax collection station, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. That's it. That's all there is to it. Jesus said, follow me, and Matthew did. Notice, there is no promise like that which was given to Abraham when he was called. From Genesis, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. And there's no protest like that of Moses when he was called and resisted saying, but they may not believe me or listen to me. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, not even now. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And there's no second guessing, like that of Isaiah when he was called. After Isaiah enthusiastically volunteered to be a prophet, saying, Here I am, Lord, send me, send me, God said, Oh, and by the way, the people that I'm calling you to are very stubborn. They will not listen or see, or understand, or comprehend anything you tell them. Which is exactly when Isaiah began to have second thoughts, asking, How long, O oh Lord? But it wasn't like that with Matthew. It happened this way. Jesus said, Follow me. And he did. Having noted the apparent immediacy of Matthew's willingness to accept the call of Jesus, I am reminded of a painting by the 17th century Italian painter Caravaggio. 
The calling of St. Matthew is one of his most famous. He illustrates the call by isolating and capturing the single precise moment between Jesus' invitation, follow me, and Matthew's obedient response. The scene is set in a tavern where a group of men, tax collectors, and among them Matthew, are seated around a small table and they are busily counting their money. Jesus is standing nearby and his hand is pointed toward Matthew in a gesture of calling. It's how Caravaggio depicts Matthew in that precise moment that makes this piece so compelling. You can't help but notice that Matthew is pointing to himself with one hand as if to say, who, me? And with the other, he's clinging to his coins as if to say, wait, what? Can I bring these with me? Because they're mine. It's such an honest portrayal of what must be, to some degree, a universal response to being called by our Lord. I mean, on the one hand, there is this sense that, well, this just cannot be. Me? Really? The Lord wants me? But what of all my failings and missteps, my unfaithfulness and disobedience, my how can this be? Why would the Lord want me? And on the other hand, there is this awakened realization that, oh, it is me you call, but I'm involved and engaged right here, right now. I have a job to do. I have commitments and obligations to tend to. I have people who are counting on me, so I can't. I shouldn't. Should I? It reminds me of a camp song from many years ago whose refrain goes like this. I cannot come. I cannot come to the banquet. Don't trouble me now. I've married a wife. I've bought me a cow. I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. Pray, hold me excused. I cannot come. Sound familiar? I have commitments and responsibilities and obligations, Lord. Pray, hold me excused. I cannot come. The way Caravaggio depicts this scene invites us as viewers into that split-second moment between the invitation from Jesus and the response from Matthew. For Matthew, to the degree that any of these thoughts I just mentioned crossed his mind, what we know is that in the end, he followed. He followed in spite of a long list of disqualifiers he might have named, like his disreputable work as a tax collector, his willingness to profit off of Rome's oppression of his own people, and his desire to maintain the status quo and continue to count his ill-gotten earnings. He followed the Lord, who by grace and by grace alone 
accepted him just as he was, loved him for who he was, and called him for who he might become. Matthew became a disciple that we are still talking about some 2,000 years later. He became a man remembered for the fact that after he was called, he held a dinner party in his own house that very night, having invited all of his tax collector friends to join him and Jesus at the table. He extended to them each one the very same grace which was first extended to him by Jesus. Friends, when Jesus comes to us, as he does in the waters of baptism, as he does in the meal we share around this holy table, as he does in the written word, and in the spoken word, and in the lived word, Jesus always, always, accepts us just as we are, loves us for who we are, and calls us for who we can become. In the name of Jesus, amen.